Hey, my name's Ken Russell. I'm a City of Miami Commissioner, and I'm here to help you better understand your local government. Good afternoon. It is Miami Commissioner Ken Russell here, helping you better understand your local government, helping introduce you to advocates and stakeholders and policymakers in the area. Today, we are here with volunteercleanup.org and really want to welcome you and thank you for everything you do for the community. And I want to spend this time just getting to know you and the organization better and see what we can do to work together. Excellent. So thanks so much for having me. I'm grateful to be having the conversation today. Uh, my name is Dara Schomold. I am the executive director of volunteercleanup.org. And I'll just give a little bit of an overview of my background and how I got into this work um, and the way that we operate in the community. You know, there's very many uh, environmental organizations and we all partner together, but we all have slightly different um, areas of expertise and, and ways that we execute our mission. Um, so interestingly, my background is in cultural anthropology and I've spent most of my career in the technology sector. So that's certainly different um, than a lot of my other colleagues and uh, sort of community of eco-activists, most of whom come from a, a natural science or a marine biology uh, background, but I'm more of a, a people uh, expert and I've spent most of my career focusing on consumer behavior and how to get people to change their behavior, usually for the benefit of um, the clients that my company had previously represented. I worked for many years uh, as a cultural anthropologist at Sapien Nitra, which is in uh, Coconut Grove. So that's where I sort of started. Um, and I've always worked in technology. And um, about six years ago, when I got into this uh, side project, it was a side project at the time, um, I became a little bit more uh, focused on environmental issues and thinking about how can I apply what I know as an anthropologist to getting people to be a little bit more responsible and a little bit more sustainable in their lifestyles. And so that's um, how I am doing what I'm doing today. And that really drives our orientation and thinking about how we engage people in environmental issues and making sure they understand that the role that they can play. So, so Dara, I noticed over the years when I attend one of your beach cleanups, it has way more people there than a lot of the organic ones or even some of the published ones or ones that even elected officials put together. Is that because of your IT background on getting people together through the internet? What, what's, what's your secret sauce? Yeah, exactly. So that is fundamentally how we are different from many of the other organizations that are out there that are leading cleanups. There's many groups that are, are leading cleanups, but we are a connector and a facilitator. And so we learned very early on that we could only be in one place at one time and to really scale our effort and to have a, you know, a much bigger presence and engage more people, we had to approach it slightly differently. So one of the core programs that we do in volunteercleanup.org is our website, which is volunteercleanup.org. And it is basically um, an online platform where anybody who wants to organize a cleanup can post it to our website and reach our database of volunteers. And any volunteer who's interested in finding a cleanup can simply come to one place and find all of the cleanups that are happening in the area. So that's the way we've been able to scale the effort is by building relationships and partnering with all of the environmental organizations, whether it's Send It for the Sea or Miami Waterkeeper, Debris Free Oceans, uh, Surfrider, those are the our partners who are creating cleanups on a regular basis and posting it online one place where everybody can find it. So we're connecting the dots in that way. So if somebody wants to do a cleanup and wants to be on your site, do they need to do it a certain way? Are there any criteria you have of what they're picking up or how they're categorizing things or anything like that? 
No, I mean, we're here as a resource. So if someone has never led a cleanup before, you know, that's something that we can certainly help with. We have guides and we're available to kind of talk them through the best practices and the process. Um, but it's fairly straightforward. Our, our website is essentially like Eventbrite, but just for shoreline cleanup. So anybody can come in, create an account and post a cleanup. It's going to ask them the time, the date, the place, um, you know, what volunteers should bring, what's provided. And then basically it goes out. So we have, um, it's published to the website. And then every Monday we have an e-blast which targets volunteers. So we have maybe 20,000 local volunteers in our database and the ones that are opted into the Monday e-blast get an email letting them know where the cleanups are coming up within the next few weeks that are within 15 miles of their house. So we're able to target them um, geographically. And so when we find when organizations post cleanups two, three weeks in advance, they have an extremely high um, sign-up rates. So we're getting, you know, back in the, the good old days, the pre-COVID, you know, good old days, um, the Bill Bags monthly cleanup, they would see 250 volunteers every single time at their monthly cleanup. Between 50 and 100 um, was very typical. And we would have between six and 10 of those every single weekend happening here in the community. This all sounds like a very labor-intensive project. Is there, a, is there a business model behind it that makes it sustainable or is this your philanthropic time and efforts? No, so we are a, a small nonprofit. You know, we have a, a budget, I would say, of about um, sixty to seventy-five thousand dollars a year that we operate on, and so that covers all of our um, staffing costs, which are minimal. We have one full-time staff, that's myself, and then the programs that we run. The website is, for the most part, you know, fairly self-service, automated experience. You know, so people can publish it and it goes live right away. And I do some, you know, monitoring behind the scenes. Of course, we help uh, train people. Um, our funding comes from three specific areas. So we have an annual event called the International Coastal Cleanup, which uh, typically happens every September. It's a worldwide event that's spearheaded by the Ocean Conservancy, and we are their partner for Miami-Dade. So we run all of the cleanups on that day, anywhere between 45 to 50 cleanups on one single day all over Miami-Dade uh, County. And during that event, we do get corporate sponsors. So that's a, a big help, and that helps to cover our year-round operational costs. We also have a corporate day of service program. Uh, so when companies want to have a team building uh, day, we in fact, we had one yesterday at, at a market pace park with a small company. And when they want to have a volunteer or give back day, we have a whole program structured around that where we can engage local companies so they can see firsthand uh, the problem that we're experiencing on Biscayne Bay with the amount of marine debris and can start to become part of the solution as they become more aware. And so that's a team building. We have fun contests and prizes, you know, to the person who finds the strangest thing or anything that's related to their business. So we have a whole uh, program around that and they make a donation to the nonprofit for that. Cool. So when somebody, I mean, this sounds incredibly efficient. I haven't done the math in my head yet, but of all the groups that work through you and advertise their cleanups, do you have them weigh the trash at the end? Do you have an idea of how much trash has been collected based on the collective efforts that you and the other groups have done? Yeah, so there's a couple ways that people can track uh, the data. So we obviously have all the metrics through our system on the amount of volunteers that are attending cleanups. So we know what the level of engagement is in the community. We know how frequently the cleanups happen. Um, from our own experience, you know, we can estimate the poundage is usually about 200 pounds per cleanup. Um, if you're at a site like Margaret Pace Park, you know, Peacock Park, once you go to the causeways, if you go to the Venetian Causeway, if you go to MacArthur Causeway, um, and even some of the cleanups now happening on the Julia Tuttle, 
um, you can get a thousand pounds in about an, uh, two hours with a, a handful of volunteers. So it's pretty incredible. Um, we do incredibly use incredibly sad. Yeah, it is. It's it's and and, and here's the, the the crazy thing is that each time you go back, it's the same thing. It's so this again. is a big part of our philosophy is that the cleanup is not the solution. The cleanup is a way to open the eyes of people so that they understand the problem. And that mm -hmm. we hope that that experience becomes a catalyst for them to make changes in their own lives or otherwise to find you know different ways to become part of the solution. So- Got it. Well, before we get into the actual problem, what you're finding out there and where it may come from, let's talk, let's just finish up a little more if you don't mind about the just sort of the business model of cleanups and, and how this how this all works. Do you have any metrics on, on how many volunteers you've activated or how many pounds of trash over how many years you guys have been working? Uh, yeah, so we publish those right on our website. So let me check uh, to date since inception. Um, we have- Let's go there together. Let's go you there together. To share my this? screen. Volunteer. Cleanup.org. Isn't there a hyphen in there somewhere? Nope. Well, Got the it. .org is the dot, you know, there's the volunteer cleanup .org. Got it. All right. I'm there. And okay. number of cleanups. Here it is. I'm looking at it too. Let me share screen. I can do that. Okay. So here we go. So here's our website. So very easily you can find a cleanup or organize a cleanup. Those are the two fundamental pathways. And then to date, uh, 1640. So this might be about a month, uh, a month old. So it's obviously changing every single weekend. Um, but, you know, somewhere probably close to about 2000 cleanups uh, since inception. So we average about 250 cleanups a year. There's several each weekend. We have 14, 15,000 registered volunteers. They have logged 160,000 community service hours collectively and then 328,000 pounds of marine debris. Those are amazing metrics. And at under under 100 grand per year budget, um, you have an incredibly efficient model of removing debris from the ocean. It's, yes. you know, you can think of a lot of the more expensive concepts of how we're doing cleanups. You, you're really onto something through the crowdsourcing that you do through the cooperations and almost like a, like an open license franchise to organize cleanups that get, you know, brought under one brand in one place that's easily accessible by people. It's an incredible model. Congratulations to you guys. This is really Thank something. You. Yeah, I mean, it's so, important to note that I'm not the one personally leading the majority of the cleanups. When we do the in-person events, when we do the corporate events, you know, that's ours. Um, but again, this really is a community effort and it's a collaboration between all the partners, all of the groups, you know, that are leading uh, the cleanups on a, on a weekly basis. And we're just here. We're here as a resource and as a facilitator. Absolutely. So let's talk about what you're finding out there and where you think it's coming from. What would you say is the most common thing that your volunteers pick up out there? Uh, so we do measure this um, fairly systematically, you know, at least for the cleanups that we personally do. There's an app th through the Ocean Conservancy called Clean Swell, and anybody can use this, even on your walks down the beach on your own. Um, you can log the trash, and it basically asks you to catalog um, the number of items that you're finding into various categories. So fairly consistently over the years, um, we do have a top 10 uh, worst offenders in marine debris, and they are the usual suspects that you would think of plastic uh, caps from the bottles, um, plastic bottles, the straws, the cigarette butts, aluminum cans, um, to-go containers, you know, forks and straws. They are by and large 
all single use plastics. So they're all items we use for a very short amount of time and then discard. And they are the majority of them happen to be food and beverage items. So all of those, the straws, the forks, the cups, the, the, the water bottles, those are all food and beverage items. So that gives us some indication of where mm -hmm. we need to change our behaviors. So myth or fact, the majority of this is coming from irresponsible boaters out there on the water playing bad music and throwing their garbage in the bay. That is a myth. Um, the truth so is- So you like the music is what you're saying. Yeah. It's good music. Yeah, it's fine. You know, um, I think <laughs> by and large, hopefully boaters who enjoy spending time on the water, we hope are our partners and being stewards for, for that which they love. You know, we have a saying in the environmental community, you protect what you love, right? So the more that people go out and enjoy the water, we hope um, they become, you know, our partners in protecting it. The truth is, 80% of the plastic and the trash that we find in the ocean originates inland from street-based, land-based litter. So that's the good news. The good news is people luckily, you know, are not inclined to simply toss trash into the ocean. I think there's something instinctively in us that when we see the ocean, we know it's beautiful and we should protect it, but people will throw trash out of their car window on the freeway all day long and they don't understand the connection that the trash in the street is what's leading to trash uh, in our oceans and in Biscayne Bay. Sorry, we have a cameo appearance from my <laughs> cat, cat in a sweater. Since yeah, it's it is. a sweater day. I got my sweater on. It is a sweater day. <laughs> in, I don't know. I mean, I, I asked her, she said this morning, it's it's 50 degrees, I'm putting on a sweater. So yeah. typical Miami. Yeah. I tell you these cats. In her defense, she has no fur. <laughs> She's a hairless, a hairless cat. It is, it is. So it is, I, she gets a pass on the sweater today. Um, so yeah, typically, so, you know, interestingly street runoff and I was up to my ankles this morning in street runoff water as we had a water main break downtown. Um, you know, what can we do? I, I know I've, I've heard from you guys for a long time about how to keep stuff out of the bay from the streets. And we've done a mapping of all of our underground street water um, outfalls uh, throughout the city. What can we do to better protect the bay from what people throw out of their cars in the road? Yeah, so um, whereas our organization focuses very specifically on the volunteer outreach and so changing consumer mindset and behavior, um, we you know, we position that within a framework that understands that everyone has a role to play. So that's consumers, that's business, and that's government. Um, so in each of those areas, you know, there's specific things that people can do. Obviously, on the consumer side, you know, use less, right, yet less single-use items. Um, on the government side, I think the biggest um, areas of opportunity are certainly at the storm drain um, areas. So there's a variety of, of gratings and other technologies that can be installed at the storm drain level to prevent the trash from entering to begin with, right? That is the source of the pollution. So I don't know if we go into detail about the storm drains, but out on the streets, the gutters that are meant to vacate the water is where all the trash is entering. And people don't necessarily understand that all bodies of water are connected. And so when those storm drains, they flow out to the canals, they flow out to Biscayne Bay and ultimately to the ocean, um, all of those things are connected. So preventing the trash, obviously, from getting into the street, which is littering behavior. So that's a consumer um, aspect. Um, using less, it's a consumer aspect. And then should it fall into the street, making it sure it doesn't get into the ocean by um, improved you know, maintenance of uh, street sweeping and then also gratings um, at the street level to make sure they're not entering into the bay. 
So one of my early conversations with your organization was exactly about that. This is a few years ago about putting in street grate protections. And as you all know and have advocated for, the city of Miami did put in uh, and are putting in a significant number of them even now. And this is a this is a filter at the street level where the infall is, where the water goes into the system uh, so that it doesn't get. And so when I'd asked for this a couple of years ago, I didn't realize the resistance I would get. And there was an internal sort of administrative idea that it's better in the storm drain because then it's not visible to the public and there's less complaints for them to have to deal with street sweeping. I can see you taking right. a deep breath there. Right, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's that mentality like, okay, now that I've heard them say it, I understand what they're thinking and why they're coming from, but it's my job as a policymaker to say, no, um, right. I'd rather it not get into the storm drain. I'd rather you up your budget for street sweeping and street cleaning, sweeping. right? Right, Because they, they go on a path of least resistance or least noise, right? And yeah. when, when residents see the garbage in the street, that's when they start calling and complaining. But if mm. it's down in the storm drain or God forbid out in the bay, Right. We don't hear about it until it ends up in the mangroves and there's less complaints. It's a horrible way to think about it, but right. that's why they have electeds versus administratives, right? They're trying to exactly. cut costs and make noise go down. I'm trying to find solutions. And that's why I look to people like yourselves who have the expertise to help us make good policy and purchase decisions. So that's a great one. And I'm glad to see it going in. Mayor Suarez was a big part of that as well. But it, I think it's just the beginning because we have so many of those and it's not that expensive right. to do. Right. Well, it's easier to clean it from the street than it is once it's in the marine environment, right? It's very, very labor intensive. You know, the styrofoam breaks up into, you know, lots of little pieces that, you know, animals are eating. And so the cost of um, fixing it, you know, we have this expression in technology too, right? When you have a bug and you fix it in development, um, it is always cheaper to fix it then than once it's released and you fix the problem later. So the longer you push it downstream, the more costly it becomes uh, to fix it, you know, so the out of sight, out of mind is also a myth because it's just going into the storm drain for a very, you know, a finite period of time before it enters the bay and then we have, you know, a, a bigger problem. Um, so fixing it and, and taking care of it earlier is certainly easier. Plus, you know, I'm also curious, you know, as a consumer um, behaviorist and anthropologist, you know, what happens when people see this, the trash in their street? You know, is that going to make, you know, why should they blame that on the city? Because it's actually came from, from the neighborhood, right? Or from the people living there. So if that trash is accumulating, how is that going to change the way people, um, you know, are thinking about their, their own place and taking more ownership of, of where they live? You know, so that could be an interesting uh, experiment mm -hmm. there. If somebody would like to support you in your efforts and they don't have time to go out and volunteer, or maybe they do, but they still want to help you financially, how do they do that? Uh, it's very easy. They can go to our website and make a donation um, right online. Um, they certainly can start with uh, either participating in a cleanup. They can do their own. They can do their own solo cleanup. We've do been doing a lot of things differently uh, due to the COVID pandemic. So we're creating lots of ways that people can get involved in a safe way and they can change their own behavior. I mean, that would also be the, the biggest ask, you know, start bringing your own reusable bottle, uh, carrying that around, you know, reusable bags at the store, skipping the straw. Those are the three things I think are the easiest to integrate into your daily life. And then, you know, after that, it's becoming an advocate for change. Once you've focused on your individual behaviors, then how do you work with government to make sure that um, they're implementing the right solutions? And then also supporting the businesses that are doing the right thing. There's many businesses that have gotten on board. Um, there's business incentive programs uh, in Miami Beach that has been piloted, the Plastic Free MB campaign, 
where restaurants are voluntarily reducing plastic waste. So we need to vote with our wallet. We need to support the businesses um, that are doing the right things and then make our voices known to the businesses that are not. Well, I'd like to make sure they speak with their wallet and help you. So that website is volunteercleanup.org forward slash donate, or you can just go to the main site and there's a donate link yeah. right there as any good tech entrepreneur would have on their site. Um, and so please, I definitely encourage you. This is a very responsible, very effective and very efficient organization that's made a huge difference in our community and our waterway. Now back to voting with your wallets on businesses. Um, one of the other hats I wear is chairman of the Coconut Grove Business Improvement District. Um, so we've got a few dozen restaurants and a few dozen um, retail stores that operate in the central Coconut Grove area. Obviously, that's all just uphill in the storm drain world from mm -hmm. Biscayne Bay, right there mm -hmm. down by um, all, all of the waterfront. Yeah. Um, what could I do if I legally can't mandate a plastic bag ban or something like that? What could I do as an organization to incentivize those stores to get rid of the straw or to use different habits? Um, well, so I guess um, that would depend on what tools you have in your disposable. So are you able to give, you know, tax cuts uh, to certain businesses that are exhibiting uh, good behavior? Are you able to uh, create a program that recognizes them and that drives business their way um, when they phase out certain items or switch to biodegradable packaging? So those would be uh, two options. Um, I like I that. Think, yeah. Can we work together on something? Because we do have yep. a budget as a board. Yeah. It's a self-taxing district, but we don't have the taxing ability to give discounts or, or rebates to anyone, but we can invest back into them. We can give an incentive program by rewarding good behavior and steering people for the behavior you want. It's, it's more effective than trying to create punishments. Yeah, and, I agree. And you I get agree. a lot of pushback and fight and legality and, and preemption yeah. and all these things. I'd love to learn of a good example of another community or bid that has done a, a reward program where you get like a sticker on your window that you're a part of this program, that you've taken these steps to protect yep. the bay and, yep. and we would highlight them on the website. I, I'd love to do that. And, yeah. I, and I think that's something we could use your help on. So that's the focus of um, what they've done in Miami Beach. So there's lessons learned there that we could you know, easily port over uh, and, and make improvements, but that's sort of the idea. And then within the community, we do this thing, what we call um, the cash mob or the flash mob, right? So when certain businesses make those changes, you know, the environmental community rallies around them and goes and, you know, if this were pre-COVID days, we would all go and have, you know, a big dinner, oh. and bring, bring lots of people um, to kind of support and recognize the businesses, you know, that are doing it. Nice. That's like, that's sort of, that's sort of like reverse cancel culture. Yeah, reverse. Exactly. I like it. I yeah. like it. Yeah. So just flood them with lots of love and show them that we care and that they're doing the right thing and that we, we support them, you know, because we do recognize that maybe sometimes these are going to come at a slightly increased cost, right? Some of the materials mm -hmm. that they would um, be switching to, you know, the other thing, if they want to see the problem firsthand, you know, I'm willing to take any, any business who doesn't think that straws or styrofoam are a problem, you know, come with me and let me show you, you know, what I do for a living um, because that really is the, the insight behind what we do is that once mm. you see it, you cannot unsee it. So when you see the mm. problem firsthand, it becomes a very strong motivator to think about, you know, how can I be a part of the solution? What can I do differently in my life and my business, you know, to not have this be um, the situation? Well, I've been out there with you. My children have been out there with you and it is very impactful. So again, thank you for what you do. I will definitely be reaching out from my office to learn more about what they're doing in Miami Beach and how we can emulate their program in the Grove and or downtown. 
um, and keep doing what you do. Really thank you for your, your advocacy and your, your, the gift that you give to the community. So, so, so thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thanks for the time and for the opportunity and look forward to working with you on um, any and all of these initiatives. Yes. We'll see you on the beach. Take care. Thank you. Bye.